you have to be so proactive as a goalkeeper and you need to be proactive as a coach as well. You just can't stand still. You've got to go with the times, the different sort of styles of play, what you see within analysis and preparation for games. So as coaches, we need to get the goalkeepers sinking exactly the way that we would. We need them to be proactive. Hello guys and welcome to a new episode of the Club Sound Podcast. We are back with a new episode and we are your host Marcus Sundin and alongside me is Alexander Brams as usual. And today we have a new guest, which is Jonathan Gregg. Welcome to the podcast, Jonathan. Thank you very much, Marcus. It's an honor to be here. Awesome. And today we're going to talk a little bit about goalkeepers fitting into play styles of playing, in and out of possession, and how it's implemented in training. But first of all, let's introduce you a little bit. You are a UEFA A-licensed goalkeeping coach, first-team goalkeeping coach at Real Kashmir at the moment in India. Um, yeah. And I took a little bit from your LinkedIn, which you say you have 20 years of coaching experience at all levels from elite academies in Scotland and England till first yes, team level in Scotland. And now obviously yeah. a real Kashmir in India, correct? Yes, that's correct. Awesome. So out of curiosity, how did you actually end up moving from England to India to uh, coach that's it's that's a very very good question <laughs> and a very funny question. So my time at Barnsley was coming to an end, and I was looking for a new club. And funnily enough, I was on the training pitch, just watching academy training, and my phone went, and didn't recognise the phone number. Obviously, I've answered that, and it was somebody that I worked with at my time at Hearts when I was at Heart of Midlothian Football Club. And so we just got chatting, and he said, Listen, I'm the assistant manager at Real Kashmir. The manager is really keen to, to speak to you, who is Scottish as well. So we agreed on a time and a place, I went back to Scotland and I met up with them. Um, but what I didn't realise what Real Kashmir was all about, it's actually a very famous club because of where it's located. It's had documentaries done, a, done on it in the past and it is the most militarised zone in the whole of India. I didn't know this. <laughs> so when I got I spoke to the manager. I then said to him, listen, I'm aware of the situation in Kashmir and can you guarantee my safety? And he says, yes, of course. And I came away from it thinking, yeah, I'll, I really like the sound of this. New project, foreign goalkeepers, obviously, something totally different. And first team level as well because I was head of academy at Barnsley. So it was getting that opportunity to go into full-time first-team football. So went on holiday, came back, and I said, yep, I'll join. And I'd glad I'd done it, to be honest. 
I worked with three outstanding goalkeepers. And my first choice, Furbout, was unbelievable during the season. Multiple awards, uh, second best uh, defensive record in the league. But unfortunately, our league got cut short because of COVID. So I think we would have had the best defensive record in the league if um, the games had continued. So it was a very, very successful and very enjoyable um, time. So, and I was delighted to to get offered another contract. So that's basically how it all happened, how it all came about. Just a phone call out the blue. <laughs> yeah, awesome. And, and talking about that, because uh, it's obviously a big transition moving to, to Asia and and all of that. And we have had Mauro Piocchio, um, and it's an Italian goalkeeper in, as I guessed before, who mm-hmm. played in, in India as well. Um, and we talked with him about the differences in goalkeeping compared to obviously him from Italy and then going to India and play. Now you have had, as a goalkeeper coach, a bigger perspective on it. How would you compare the style in England and Scotland to the style in India? Well, fantastic question. I was very fortunate with Furba, uh, as I say, who was my first choice. He did not play like an Indian goalkeeper. He played like a European goalkeeper. Uh, he was very aggressive in his starting positions. He dominated his area very, very well. And his natural ability, his technical ability, was really neat and tidy. And I thought to myself, wow, because I had watched, I'd planned and prepped myself to what Indian goalkeepers were going to be like. So I watched numerous videos of Indian goalkeepers and I thought, if I can get my guys solid and consistent and focused on technical and most importantly tactical aspects then I'll be delighted but with Furba he had the raw talent and it was just moulding especially the tactical aspects around his talent so I was very fortunate that way Uh, but with other Indian goalkeepers they're very athletic they're very unorthodox in their style as most goalkeepers in Spain, especially, they like to punch the ball. They like to parry the ball when it would be easier to to catch. So that was the biggest thing that I noticed about them. And also, goalkeepers in India weren't as good with the ball at their feet as European goalkeepers. But um, once again... With Furba, I landed on my feet with this kid. I was very, very lucky with him. So, but having that opportunity to work with somebody with such a raw talent, fantastic, absolutely and, fantastic. And it's all and and it's all about connections between the goalkeeper coach and the goalkeeper himself, right? And also mm-hmm. for you, moving from England to India, there is also obviously some tactical stuff there some some differences on that and you obviously 
are the one talking with the head coach about how the team style of play is. So how do you interact with your goalkeepers on them to fit into the team style of play, both in and out of possession? Well, it was one of the first things I asked the manager when I met him because I'm very much that sort of goalkeeping coach that everything, we all prepare goalkeepers technically to be nice, neat and tidy, sure, but I'm very much down the tactical line and preparing them to what they will face in a game out of possession in relation to what the manager wants defensively. So out of possession, we we played a very low block and our back four. Once we lost the ball, we got, especially within transition, we got 10 men behind the ball. And in India, teams like to pass the ball. They like to break the lines and play through the thirds. So I saw this right away. And when I said to the manager, Listen, where, where do you like to press from within your back four? And then he said, I like to get the guys behind the ball. So, and a very narrow back four. So my mind thought was, right, I need to get my goalkeepers ready for transitions that the ball is going to be going down the sides. They're going to have to be tactically aggressive in relation to the ball, in relation to a right and left footer out both sides. And so that naturally will lead into aggressive positioning. Can they read the situation? Can they then, if they're not coming for the ball, the distances off their line, two yards, a yard, goal line, then the save technique. So what sort of save will they have to implement? Is it a block? Is it a spread? Is it an explosive dive? Is it coming out smothering? All of these different aspects uh, I had to introduce to Furba and other uh, goalkeepers. And then obviously, if teams did break our lines and were facing our back line and they were getting shots away from distance, distances off the line, I'm very much in favour of all my goalkeepers that have coached two to three yards maximum off their line, in line and down the line of the ball and giving them that time to react. And also, if they break the final line with a pass, then they're at a sufficient distance that they come, can come and read situations as well, reading the through balls. So there was a lot to, to really implement. There was a lot of video work done with them to show them not only in training, but in game situations as well. I was very fortunate when I went to India that we got entered into a pre-season tournament. I had two sessions with, with Furba and one other goalkeeper, and we were straight into games. And we were very fortunate in a way that our chairman, very, very, <laughs> very generous guy, he was giving us bonuses for uh, for the games. So naturally, we wanted to go strong every single game. So Furba played every game up to the semi-final. And, but that gave me time 
to really implement the way I wanted Fuba to play out of possession. So and he took to it really, really well and really quickly. So I was delighted. But also, as you said, in possession, in a way, the 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 manager was he wasn't the sort of manager last season that he wanted to play from the back. He wasn't really wanting to build from the back. So it it didn't make my job any easier, obviously. He wanted to get the ball forward. Our style was aggressive in getting the ball forward. So when Ferber was in possession, he was a fantastic distributor of a ball, fantastic right foot, lovely technique on a sidewinder as well. So he fitted into the way the manager wanted to play with him in possession of the football. So there was obviously, there was work done on that just to perfect his technique and his decision-making as well when he was going forward. I like to say to my goalkeepers, it's not the first pass. That's the most important. It's the pass, it's the second pass for the player he's distributing it to. So it's it's fine to distribute the ball to a player, but if he's under pressure, what can he do with it? So the goalkeeper has to have a picture. If I am playing it to the centre forward, can the centre forward then link with his partner? Or can he link with a midfield player? Or can he link with a wide player? So equally, if he's going out to a winger, can the winger play the ball inside or can he take a player on with a first touch? So there has to be that thought process and that's the way I challenge all my goalkeepers. This season is totally different as far as in possession of the ball. The manager has got a different playing style now. We're going to play a lot more from the back. So uh, my goalkeepers now got three new goalkeepers and I've implemented its its patterns how to play out. It's breaking a pressing line from forwards, trying to lock on to us, can they break the first line? But once again, it's that thought process, what can the player do for the second pass? So I've implemented a lot of that within my training this season, but equally I've stuck to as well, or the manager has stuck to the defensive low block. He's now only wanting a total of nine, counting the goalkeeper, four pound the ball, midfield four pound the ball, and naturally the goalkeeper, but nothing has changed as far as the low block. It's going from a mid to a low block now. So, and it's very compact. So once again, starting positions for anything over the top, anything down the sides and within the crossing positions. And naturally, when if a team or a winger does get to the byline, picking up positions in relation to the ball, in, in relation to the defender, in relation to a right and a left footer as well, how aggressive can they be in their starting positions? So that's as far as I would say my coaching and my training would go within the playing style in and out of possession. And also it's giving them pictures 
I like to give them pictures throughout training. Even if I'm doing a conditioning-based session, I will, I will give them a picture, the last save, the second last save, a position that they're in to then go and make an explosive save. You imagine that in a game. You imagine that if a winger is in that position, if a midfielder is in that position, and it's just giving them different visuals to the way that I want them to play. Yeah, that was absolutely brilliant, all this information. And to the goalkeeper coaches out there listening, this is where you have to take notes. All these things you just said was really interesting, both out of position and in position. And I especially like the that you draw up pictures in practice. So it's not just catch this, save this. It's imagine this scenario on a field yeah. where you you have a low block and you have a narrow defensive line. They play outside. Uh, this is what yeah. we used uh, when I played college in Los Angeles. We had a narrow back line, so I could imagine all that. They play outside. Then they have a cross. This is going to be an in-swinger. How is the goalkeeper supposed? How is his starting position? Is he going to come for it? If you're not coming for it, do you have to recover a little bit, come back to close to your line and be ready to react? Yeah. Um, all that. Absolutely brilliant. And also the the different scenarios, in-swinger, out-swinger. Do we come for it? Do we not come for it? Um, the, the also, when you've said all that, how do you, and this is a tough question, how do you coach communication? How would you coach communication with uh, what you just talked about, out of possession? Not in possession, but out of possession. Out of possession, it's... Naturally, within a, a very narrow back four, uh, how can the two main positions, right back, left back, how quickly can they give information to their left winger but that, and their right winger, but that has to start from the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper can shout to his right and left back overlapping run, track the run, get out to the ball, but naturally that will give a trigger and information to him to give information to um, the right winger, the left winger. And then if they don't get out to the ball, then it is centre half. So if it's down the right hand side, the full-back has went out, the right-back has went out, right, my right centre-half, I need him across. I need him across. I need him defending the area that my right-back has vacated. So I get him into a position. Left centre-half, tuck across. We, we like to play also a defensive midfield player. The, out of the two, we play a 4-4-2 formation. So out of the two... It's a defensive midfield player. So they got they've got to know their jobs as well. So naturally it can be if the right if the right centre half goes out, the information from the goalkeeper, right centre half take up the position. Then the defensive midfield player, whoever it is on the right hand side, can then drop back into position that the right centre half. So it is, it's like a chain of communication. If the, goalkeeper, if the goalkeeper gives one shout, 
then naturally the chain is all locked in. So player right back beat, right centre half has to go across. Defensive midfield player has to drop in. Left centre half has to come across. And then the left back has to come across. And then naturally it's watch back post. It's just a simple command. It's a simple interpretation and um, terminology. Watch back post. So naturally that gives the information to left back. I've got to have an open body shape. I must know what's happening behind me. I've got to know what is coming in from the side and what is coming from centre as well. So as I say, it's like a chain. One piece of information goes on to four, five different pieces of information. And then you would like to think you're in a nice defensive shape just because of one shout. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And and there's different uh, one shout words that can that should start this chain that you were talking about. It could be watch back post. It could be no cross, no shot, step up. Yeah. Uh, away. Away means just get get the ball away. Get that out of here, out of uh, yeah. out of danger. It's um, there's so many little things that I have never really been. Yes, I've been taught it a little bit, but I've mostly just learned it by watching other people, watching older mm-hmm. goalkeepers when I was younger. And then now mm-hmm. you could say that people could learn from this podcast that you have to have these little cues, uh, these little, mm-hmm. yeah, just incorporated it's in like your triggers. communication. Yeah, triggers, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as when you see this in a game that a guy is alone out three yards out the box and defender is three yards away, you have to say like, step up, no shot, uh, do everything. And yeah. we especially had one good one that I really liked was don't get split. So that was in a narrow back four. If the right center back and the right back get split, then they come into a real dangerous area. So that was the, one of the most important things it was yeah. that don't get split. But, but naturally, Alexander, that will happen in the game. So as mm-hmm. as a goalkeeping coach, I need to prepare my goalkeepers for that eventuality. So mm-hmm. the goalkeepers, as we well know, okay, we've all played, we all see, we see everything. So it is naturally looking within the situation, is the player in possession of the ball under no pressure? Has he got that split second to make to break that line so as a goalkeeping coach I'm constantly giving my goalkeepers information to right what if I love that word what if <laughs> goalkeeping football what if that happens what if they break that line what yeah. if they take that shot everything in a in a ball so can they read that can they see that gap and can they read that through ball? So then, can they go and engage? Can they go out and hand lead to engage it? Is it one of them that is right to the player and they're having to come out and block and spread? Or is it a pass to the player and he breaks the line with his first touch? Then what do you do? Down to decision making. I would always ask them to engage, but what sort of engagement would it be? The block, 
the hand leading, to be brave, the spread, goalkeeper's choice, naturally. And yeah, that's, that's the sort of information that I would give to the goalies. Yeah, and that's that's another interesting topic because here before we were talking about like more crosses, but what if they split the line? Can, as you said, can they read it? Can you come out and be that sweeper keeper? Can you dive into feet? Uh, and it's it's what you just said, decision making. So how yeah. that is that's something that you should train somehow. I remember I've trained it before where my goalkeeper coach played one of the other goalkeepers in in the clear. And then I had to come out. Was it? Is it gonna be? Do I have to come out and dive into feet? Do I have to come out and close the space? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually did that drill uh, in Los Angeles, and it was brilliant because it was all about decision making. And yeah, yes, there was a right and a wrong choice, but the most important thing was: can you save it from where you are? And you learn from exactly. the the positioning you are at. Yeah, hundred percent. And and it's about reading the game as well, right? Because that's so important for us as as goalkeepers. Because if you ask me, it can be tough to to practice. Reading the game can be really tough to practice. For me, it's about experience and about knowledge to the game. Because we need to react in the split of a second as goalkeepers. And if you have that advantage of you have read the game before, you may be visualize what will happen in this situation as you just mentioned Jonathan is so important for us to be that step ahead of the strikers or the wingers or whatever in order to have the advantages and then at the end make the save as well yeah uh, you have to be so proactive as a goalkeeper and you need to be proactive as a coach as well you just can't stand still you've got to go with the times the different sort of styles of play what you see within analysis and preparation for games. So as coaches, we need to get the goalkeepers thinking exactly the way that we would. We need them to be proactive. Reactive is fine when you're making making reaction saves, that's fine. But when you're reading situations and you're being tactically very, very astute, you need to be so proactive. You need to be thinking that other step ahead and as I say I love the word what if I get my goalkeeper saying that to me every day what if coach what if what if you do this today and that's brilliant for me because that is getting them in the mindset and that's getting them thinking what if what if this happens exactly and I was actually about to ask that because I said myself a minute ago that reading the game can be tough to practice doing a goalkeeper session. But mm-hmm. is, is your answer to that, asking the, asking the goalkeepers doing the session, saying, what if all the time? So as you mentioned, in a situation, it could be a shooting drill, for example, where the outfield players play in patterns. They either need to play it out to the wing, go for a cross for the striker. It could be in the air, it could be low. Um, is it to always ask them what if, what if, because as mentioned, if you ask me, it can be tough really to to practice reading the game. For me, it's all a lot about really playing the games because then you really get the experience of how the game goes along. Yeah, 
No, I totally agree, but that's, it's down to, as well, having a really, really good working relationship with your manager and allowing allowing you as a goalkeeper coach to work with a back line, to work with, like, he would, and the assistant would naturally take the attacking side of things, but, and my manager is very open to that, funnily enough, he wanted me to do a defensive session this morning, which was fantastic because done eighteen minute an eighteen minute practice and a narrow back four, a six three four, and we didn't concede any goals. So I was delighted. <laughs> but it's having that buy in from the coach and you as a goalkeeping coach as well, when you're in preparation for going into that main practice that you're bringing in defenders, attackers, can you recreate a situation within your own practice? That's what said, how it gets implemented in training within the playing style. So, first and foremost, equipment, your equipment, air bodies. There's your narrow back four. This is the situation. This is the practice. This is what we're working on. We add in a couple of extra things, or I add in a couple of extra services, a goal, another pass. But it's been very, very brave within yourselves as goalkeeping coaches to really think outside the box in your practices and what you're trying to achieve every single day, especially in professional football. So something as simple as that, air bodies, sticking mannequins, you can even have cones because they'll still represent there's your back line there's your back line right what you're going to do in this instance this has happened i've broken the line what you're going to do i went out wide a cross is coming in i'm coming in to for a header or i use a flip shield so you're recreating match situations with yourself and three other goalkeepers and then they've got the pictures in their head for when they go into the main practice, there's a back four. This is what we're up against. Now I know exactly what I want to do as a goalkeeper. And then as a coach, all you're doing is reiterating the points, the points that you've worked on throughout yeah. your session. Yeah, that's brilliant. And it's all about, as you're mentioning right now, that is creating a game-like environment in practice, which is one of the hardest things to do, but it is something that you have to do so that when you come to those games, you have tried those things. I mean, it's hard to create an environment with the 50,000 uh, audience, but you need to have like the, 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 the bodies yeah. in there and the, the, stress, the stress factors because if you don't get stressed and... Great word. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't get stressed in practice, then... How will you handle a game where you are stressed? For example, an 89th yes. minute free kick or a cross in the 89th minute where you are doubting yourself if you should go for it or not. And then it's an in-between thing. I've seen several examples of this. Even so many pros do it where they, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. Yes, it is. It is. But it's, even with experienced goalkeepers, experienced pros, 
it's about giving them a mindset and a belief that I have got absolutely no, no fear. From the first minute to the 95th minute, I'm not going to show any fear in the game. That's why I feel the likes of Hugo Lloris, Alisson, Emerson, David De Gea, these guys, that's why Manuel Neuer, Orton Beck, they're all, that's why they are where they are. That's why they are the world's best. They show absolutely no fear in the way that they play uh, from the first minute to the very last minute. And for any young, inspiring goalkeepers, watch that, watch these guys. And for goalkeeping coaches, can you get your goalkeepers? Obviously, these guys are very, very high, very world-class level. But can you get your goalkeepers to a level that they go into every single game, smile on their face, but show absolutely no fear in a playing style? Because yeah, I'm that's, very big on that. Yeah, exactly. And what you say, all those pros, uh, so many pros, they just show that they won't be affected by Anything that happens during the game, concedes a goal, beep, scores a goal, beep, uh, whatever. It's it's the same, and but we could talk about this for years, basically. So, <laughs> yeah, Jonathan, I'm gonna ask you a question because it's a topic in our podcast. We're called Gloves On. So, what yep. are your favorite gloves and why? <laughs> Good question. So, right now I'm using Tutu Gold. Tutu goalie loves and I started to use them when I was at Barnsley and then I got in touch with the company when I was in Kashmir, still in Kashmir and they agreed to supply gloves to me so they've been absolutely amazing, they're fantastic gloves uh, but by the looks of things I've been speaking to Azmir Begovic about his gloves as well and it looks like that they want to sort me out with a few pairs as well so uh, I'm going to a bit a very big decision to make um, but right now because I haven't used Asmir's gloves as yet they're, they're back home in Scotland Tootled gloves are fantastic fantastic cuts and the, the rolled finger and negative the, the palms are Absolutely fantastic from the different millimeters. Uh, very, very comfortable, very compact gloves, and uh, and they last a really, really long time. Actually, if you're paying for them, they're not the cheapest gloves, but you're paying for quality. I look at the price of goalie gloves nowadays, and I'm glad that I've got guys willing to supply me <laughs> because I don't think I would pay out a fortune for for gloves nowadays so I would definitely say Tuto at this precise moment but if you were asked if you were to ask me that question this time next year it might be totally different but for a coach uh, it's more you have to have good boots as well because you're striking a ball every single day as well but I would definitely say Tuto is right up there with the best gloves that I've came across both as a coach and even when when I played. Awesome, Jonathan. We are unfortunately running out of time here, but it's been an absolute pleasure having you on this podcast and obviously we'll stay in touch and 
and also maybe have you on in the future if you are if you're ready for that it's been an absolute pleasure no listen thank you very much guys for having me on uh, it's been a pleasure for me uh, and i hope uh, all comes together well but no absolutely brilliant marcus alexander top guys thank you very much cheers for that <laughs> and to the listeners no out problem. there if you have time please leave a review we want all the thing we can back we want to improve this podcast every single time that's our main goal to get the goalkeepers out there the listeners out there to get some more knowledge about goalkeeping and also remember to follow alexander on danish goalkeeping and myself as goalkeeper Dane. talk to you soon